Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Amen. Good morning, everybody. How's Life in the Sun doing this morning? Man, amen. Wow, God is so good, isn't he? This morning, we're just really going to celebrate who he is. Because God is always moving in our hearts. He's moving in our minds. He's moving in our midst. And so this morning, just this, this whole flag thing was just amazing. I, I loved it because, you know, it, it's really a declaration of God's presence in our midst, is it not? Amen. So good morning, Life in the Sun. My name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here. And I'm, you know, just been privileged to bring, bring the word to you this morning. And uh, before we get started, I'd just like to pray for us. Amen. Father, we thank you for this gathering of beautiful people in your house this morning, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for your word that is powerful, Lord. It's a, it's a double-edged sword that cuts underneath, Lord God, both our soul and our spirit to reveal your truth to us, those who seek your face this morning. Lord, let it not be about my words, but let your words flow through me, Father God, as I submit myself to your authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Macy lost her father when she was two, and her mother at 11, both to addiction. Growing up, her life was anything but stable. Continuing drug use and domestic violence marred her life for years. A high fever took her hearing as a to toddler, leaving her deaf. School was an additional source of stress for Macy, where she was constantly bullied. She missed days of school at a time, as her mother was rarely awake even to put her on the bus, much less feed her breakfast or get her dressed. Placed in, in the temporary custody of her aunt, while her mother served a jail sentence for drug-related charges, Macy's life began to unravel. With uh, life with her aunt lacked the love that she had known from her mother, and quickly she began to act out as a result. After Macy's mother completed her sentence, she went into a halfway home where she died of, a, of an overdose. Suddenly, Macy's temporary placement with her aunt became long-term, and the grief over her loss of her mother created a downward spiral and compensating negative behaviors that her aunt was not willing to work through. And when Macy was 15, her aunt released her into the foster system. And it was a move that only increased the feeling of separation and isolation. Macy was quickly nearing what is called being called aging out of the, of the system. When children turn 18, they are no longer considered to be adoptable by the state. Macy had already given up hope of being adopted. Church, this morning we are here because we believe in a God of hope. Hope has to have an object, amen? Thankfully, our Father in heaven has given us direct access to the truth, to his purpose, and to his will through his Son, Jesus Christ. But the thing about earthly adoption that we can think about is that it is often over-glamorized. We, we look at these, these children on, uh, you know, where they try to get us to 
you know, be drawn into adopting children. And there are, there are so many children in the world today that there are a lot of good testimonies of, uh, you know, good Christian homes bringing in family, uh, children into their families. But a lot of times it's, it's over-glamorized. And what I mean by that is we have uh, images of these innocent children that, that need protection, love, and they're being drawn into families that need them. And it's true. But the reality is, if we go back into Ephesians chapter 2, we quickly see the reality behind the fact that we are often those who need to be adopted. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, we are referred to as objects of God's wrath. Much like Macy, we come from lives that are torn, broken, misunderstood. We might even be feeling like the victim. We might even be feeling like we've been abandoned or we've lost hope ourselves in understanding not just what life is about, but what is our purpose? What is our uh, what should our attitude be towards this family that we find ourselves in? But the reality is, is that true adoption is not about humans adopting humans. But what I want to submit to you today is that divine, divine adoption is about God adopting us. And what I, want to what I also want us to see is that even in the term of adoption, we also have Paul who contrasts it with the word being born again. We are born into the family of God. Well, Chris, you ask, how come it's being, is, is it adopted or are we born again? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's both. Because is it not true that whenever we try to understand a spiritual concept, all we can look at are the things in this world that give us that understanding. So we have adoption. We have being born again. Even that, right, uh, Nicodemus said to Jesus, oh, born again? What, am I going to crawl back in my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I meant. Being born again of the Spirit, being born again afresh, is something that is still what is written in the New Testament as a mystery. You know, all we can do is look at it from a human standpoint. We have things that we can uh, use as examples, but all we have to look at are those examples, and those examples are being used to teach us what these spiritual things are, otherwise known as parables. But the beauty of God's adoption of us is that it was not plan B. We go back to the Garden of Eden, our temptation sometimes is to look at the original story and go, oh, something happened and it went wrong. So God had to come up with all these plans in order to make it right again. Well, I'd like to propose to you today, that is absolutely not the case. God got it right the first time. So then you're, you might be asking, so God, did he subject us to all of this? Well, the truth is, is that's what the word does say, that he subjected us to futility. He gave us a chance to understand a deeper uh, connection that we need to have through him. And I would also like to submit that, you know, the challenge that Adam and Eve faced in the garden 
was they didn't have the experience when the enemy came along to tempt each one of them. And as I had spoken uh, earlier, I think it was last week, or maybe it was a previous message that I had spoken on, was that this challenge that we have in, in life, and we heard it this morning, even Sierra was talking about it, is that you know we, we face these challenges. But sometimes we look at those challenges from our pride and we go, Lord, I just don't want any. I don't, I don't want to go through suffering. I don't, I don't want to have these things in my life that, that cause me pain. But when we look at going to, say, the gym, or we're going to go on a, uh, uh, you know, change our diet so that we could eat better, it's not always fun, right? It's going to take sacrifice. Yeah, these are trivial things compared to spiritual sacrifice, but they are principles just the same. We'll accept going to the gym and, and, and going through the pain of, of pushing up our, our, uh, our barbells. We'll go through the pain of eating better, right, and missing our food, our pies, our, uh, you know, our tomorrow cakes and all that kind of stuff, right? We'll do that to eat better, to feel better, but there's always a reward. And if you notice with God, those rewards are never instant. They're delayed. Because God is always testing us. He's testing us to see, do we really want him? And I've come to know purposely that whenever we say, God, yes, I believe in you. I trust in you. Lovingly, God says, we'll see because there's going to be circumstances that are going to prove your faith. Is that not what the word says? That through these trials and tribulations, it proves our faith. The faith that God is wanting to prove is not to him. It's to us. So that we have a specific confidence in who God is in each one of our lives. So just to be reminded... Adoption was not second best. This was his plan from the beginning. And yes, that plan included the full range of understanding God's glory and mercy and grace. That was included in the creation, the fall, and our redemption. So let's cover today's verse. It's coming out of Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 through 7. Let's read together. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son, into your hearts, crying, Abba. Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. Adoption is placing a child with parents that are not its natural parents. It severs the relational parental relationship, transferring it to the adoptive parents. In fact, adoption is a grace above and beyond justification. It's not just about us being just before God. But alternately, God invites us, the sinner, into his home. And not just to visit, not just for an evening. 
He adopts us as, as his own forever. He tells us we are to call him Father and pronounces us lawful heirs to all that he is and all that he has. The struggle, the challenge, is that there are two fathers. And along with those two fathers come two natures. And if we read in John chapter 8, verse 44 through 45, it says, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Thankfully, we have 2 Peter 1.4. It says, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Can we advance the slide, please? So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We have access to his divine nature. It is part of being in his family. You see, this was a struggle that I think each one of us as Christians first are introduced to whenever we say yes to God and we enter into the family. Right? We got that initial zeal and we're ready to go for God. But all of a sudden we're like, man, it's like I'm dragging this ball and chain behind me, right? And you're like, God, can we just get rid of this thing? And God's like, no. But you and I can work on this ball and chain together. Amen? Because I'm going to give you a new nature. But it's not something that is going to be instant and it's not going to be overnight. And it's not going to just happen within a few months, maybe not even a few years. Each one of us that are sitting here today that have been walking with God for any length of time are going to be able to look back on our life and, and declare that, yes, the struggles have made us stronger. The struggles have revealed the divine nature in us. And for those that may be young in the Lord that are starting out, and you're looking at those struggles and going, I'm not sure how I'm going to work through these things. Trust me, God's nature is being born in you. It has been born in you. And in fact, I remember when I was a brand new Christian, and, you know, I went to uh, one of the little hot dog stands, and I had gotten a couple of hot dogs, and I paid the guy some cash, and, and he gave me some change. And on the way back, I realized that he gave me too much. I think, you know, I gave him like a $5 bill, and obviously he, he thought I gave him a 10 or something. But all of a sudden, now there's this check in my spirit. It's like, that ain't right. That's not honest. And of course, my flesh was like, honest? You just got five bucks, man. Just keep walking, right? But no, it was like, it was bothering me. I'm like, and guess what? This was a new conscience. It was a new part of me that I had not had before. Something was born in me. It was real. It wasn't there before. You see, even this morning, these displays of the flags this morning, I want to, I want to challenge you in understanding something. 
the word says, do in earth as it is in heaven. Amen? We do here as a representative of what we see in heaven. We also do in here what we see as, a, as, a, as an evidence of what's going on inside each one of us. The world does not see God. The world does not see the kingdom. It is veiled to them. The, the word says that the enemy has put a veil over their eyes so they cannot see the wonder and the glory and the grace of God. But through us, they see it. Whenever we did the, the flags this morning, that is a representation of what we see in here and what we declare out here. Are you, are, are you walking with me in this? Because this is powerful in the aspect of where do we go with our faith? What does it do? Does it do anything for us? Yes, it does. It declares. And when we see it declared, we're drawn in to the truth. We're drawn in to see what Stephen saw when he looked up and he said, I see this, the, the, the clouds parting and I see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of great glory. He saw right into heaven and he was able to declare what he saw. So this morning, let God begin to declare in you the change. Don't look at your life and go, I'm just going to be stuck this way forever because now I have a father. And the reality is, is yes, we may have these negative responses. We will have these negative responses. And sometimes these negative responses are directly proportioned to our relationship with our natural fathers. Some of our natural fathers may have been distant. They may have been abusive. They may have been authoritarian. They may have been absent. A distant or pa passive father can inadvertently influence their children to view God as uninvolved and disinterested in their lives. Abusive fathers can inadvertently influence their children to have difficulties trusting, being vulnerable, and emotionally relating to God. Authoritarian fathers can inadvertently influence their children to rebel against God. I know that was me. Uh, my dad, or I'm sorry. No, I'll take that back. I'll get back to that. Absent fathers can inadvertently influence their children to believe that God is inaccessible or non-existent. But I want to go back with mine was being distant. My father was involved but not involved. But the reality was, was that for me, it actually caused me to rebel in the aspect that I'm like, I didn't really have anybody governing me. I didn't have anybody specifically telling me this is the way, walk in it. I was just, you know, talking with Cindy, my lovely wife, this morning, that we, as children, uh, for myself specifically, are, fall under the understanding of what we do and how we view our father, what we do with what he, they teach us. And even for myself, my dad, again, was not involved. It was almost like he was just saying, you know what, life is here, you'll get it. You know, he wasn't saying, hey, what are you doing? Are you going to apply for college? Are you going to go to, uh, are you going to go into the military? What, what are you going to do, Chris? Here's, here's what I've learned in my life. I'm going to try to teach that to you. But my dad was not like that. He was somewhat distant, and I found myself rebelling. But thankfully, divine adoption changes this. Again, divine adoption 
not only changes our position, but it also changes our nature. Can we advance to the next slide, please? When we come into the family of God, when we're adopted, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, we are actually changing our position. And in doing so, remember, we go from one father to another. Our position changes as sons or daughters, and we actually have our nature changed as a result of that position change. And in fact, in Romans 8, 15, verses 15 and 16, it says, You did not receive the uh, spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Paul introduced the sending of the Spirit to confirm that we are truly God's children. And in fact, in 1 John 1.31, it says, See how great of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. We are legally sons before we actually experience the joy of sons, uh, sonship. So God adopts you for himself, for his glory, for his praise. And when he gets all the glory, then we get all the joy. It's a fulfillment of our natural uh, purpose that God has given to us, is to glorify him and enjoy him fully. In 1 Corinthians 8, 6, it says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. We cannot have a connection with God without having a connection with God. It's that relationship. Just like when we met our significant other, or even the, the children and our family at home, our fathers, our parents, aunts, uncles, we learn from them through relationship, not from a distance. Our beauty is grown in relationship. Because God awakens our affections for him in the midst of this new, amazing relationship that we have with him. And in fact, deeply personal and spiritual bonds are formed in this relationship. They are formed by us experiencing God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pervades our relationship, which actually bears witness to this reality until we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is the Son's cry of distress to his loving, heavenly Father. It is his way of addressing his father in his greatest time of need. In fact, we see that Jesus did this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He cried out, Abba, Father, please take this cup. If it is your will, please remove this cup. It was his greatest moment of distress. But we, too, have great moments of distress, these trials, these tribulations that we can bring to God and strengthen that relationship so that we can learn and know that he is faithful. I have never had a moment where God did not answer a prayer. I did not have a moment where I was disappointed. 
He has never let me down. And in fact, even if those answers that I received were no <laughs> or wait, I trust that God is going to get me through each one of these things. Because it is my cry of intimacy with him that shows my dependence upon him. It's a fundamental cry, but it is one that utters true desire in the face of suffering in the midst of my or our hardship. Because it's good to be a son or a daughter, to enjoy intimacy with God. His faithfulness is proven to us in relationship with him through suffering and hardship. God does not take away our painful circumstances. But in fact, he leads us through them and walks with us intimately. And in fact, in Matthew 3.17, it says, The Father spoke these words over Jesus. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus went forward with the mission of his Father in the strength and knowledge of his Father's delight in him. Adoption brings sonship. Sonship brings the pleasure of the Father. And he says over us, this is my beloved son or daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Church, no matter where you're at in your life this morning, God is well pleased with you. If you have placed your faith in Christ, and you're moving forward in your relationship and walk with God, that is what pleases him. It is your faith. It is the idea that you believe that he is actually there, that he rewards that faith with a deep relationship with you. He is always going to be pressing in, asking you, come deeper, my child. Walk deeper. Regard the pain only as something that is triggering you to come to me. I will deal with it. We will deal with it together. You see, when we are unsure of the Father's word of delight over us, real confidence and joy is likely absent. And in fact, pushing Christians who are unsure of God's delight in them to love and serve others over the long haul with confidence and joy is nearly impossible. When we know that God is our Father, we will have confidence and joy in abundance. Amen? And our desire to serve others will actually come naturally. It's not something we have to produce. It's not something that we have to make happen. But it is born in that beautiful relationship that we have with the Father. So then we too can go forward like Jesus in the strength of the Father and the very things that he has called us to do. And yes, even the impossible, like loving our enemies, forgiving those who have hurt us, speaking the truth in love, living in freedom from sin, living for him. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked straight at the disciples and he said, yes, this is impossible for human beings, but for God, everything is possible. So as we close today, I would like to read a quote from an 1800s pastor. Okay, this is something I found. I thought this fit perfectly. His name is Dr. C.F.W. Walder, and he said, Every Christian may apply to himself the declaration of God. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
As God's children, we not only have the privilege of participating in his mission to redeem and renew creation, but we also do so in the strength, knowledge, and all-powerful word of our Father's delight. So God has told us, in effect, from now on, you have nothing to worry about. I will care for you. And if you do ever find yourself overtaken by anxiety, come and talk about it with me at once. Always remember that I am your home and that I will never disown you. And you should never, should you ever go, to stri- go astray, I will always take you back. My love will never let you go. So just like Macy in our opening story, even though we may have gone through many things, whether by our own hand or the hands of others, God is saying, I want to be your father. I want to be your home. Because adoption is about us now belonging to the father. Belonging to the father is the powerful place that we have of confidence and it is also a place where we receive the greatest joy. Amen. So this morning, as I close, I'd just like to pray for anybody in the house today that is looking for that true adoption, to be taken by the Father, maybe to look at life from a new lens that that says, wait a minute, I, I don't have to struggle anymore. I don't have to push through things in my own strength. But this morning, I have a chance to just submit my life to the Father and let Him be my daddy. I mean, even the term Abba Father, there is really no deep understanding that we have of that word. It, it literally means for us to call God Daddy. But even that might even be trivial. It goes much, much deeper than that. And what I want to offer to you today is a chance to connect with God right where you sit this morning so that you can even now begin to understand what it means to have Abba in our heart, to have the heart of the Father looking at us, even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our pain, even possibly in the midst of our own unrepentant hearts. God is saying it's not about your performance. It's about whether or not you're looking at me to be your father. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just let the Holy Spirit begin to move in your heart this morning. We just read today that the word states specifically that it is through the Holy Spirit that we may know that we are the children of God. And church, I want that experience this morning to be yours. No matter whether you've been a Christian for a few days or whether you've been a Christian for 30 years, we can easily find ourselves in places where we just kind of go on autopilot and we do it on our own. And we forget 
that we have such a deep, intimate place with the Father available to us. So, Father God, this morning, as each person is reflecting on their relationship with you, Lord God, send your Holy Spirit now to confirm their son or daughtership this morning. And if there is anybody in this house this morning that has not made you their father, I pray that they humbly ask this morning that at the heart of the gospel is the truth and the reality that we are the children of God, that we become adopted, that we become born again. And if there's anybody in here this morning that would like to make God, their Father, for the first time. Amen. Father God, we thank you that today your mercy is good, that your grace is powerful, and we thank you that today you are our Father. And Lord, I specifically thank you for every child that's in this house today, child of God, that they will walk out of here today knowing, knowing, Lord God, that they have a connection with you that can never be broken, can never be severed. And we pray this in Jesus' name.